Well, hello everybody and welcome to The Main Point. It is November the 10th, 2021. It is Wednesday. Normally we do this on Monday, but we're doing it on Wednesday this week because a couple of our pastors were at the uh, North Carolina Baptist Con uh, Conference and so I'm glad that they got to attend that. But good to be around the table with you guys again and uh, uh, ready to do uh, Main Point um, as we continue our uh, series on grace. We've been looking at grace and we're going to look at grace over four weeks in this series we're calling the facets of grace. And so each one of the Sunday sermons is going to be centered on some aspect of grace. Last week, if you listen to our podcast, you know that we talked about the definition of grace. Um, this week, um, uh, the task fell to Blake and uh, our children's pastor and uh, he, his sermon was centered around uh, the saving grace, grace in, in terms of salvation. And so that's going to be the topic of our discussion today as we look back over that sermon. Uh, of course, I am Jonathan Hendrickson. I'm the associate pastor here at Rosa Sharon Baptist Church, joined with the rest of the pastoral staff. That includes Jeremiah Custer, our youth pastor, Blake Flincham, our children's pastor, and Jeff McCarthy, our senior pastor. And we're all present and accounted for um, and uh, I'm, I'm guessing at this point our circadian rhythms are kind of back on track and fall, when you fall back you lose an hour, everything gets all messy for a, for a little bit, but I think we're all awake and alert here, so uh, we're ready to go this morning. Um, so let's just jump right in, fellas. Uh, we're talking about saving grace. Um, uh, Blake said, uh, you know, he gives a, a, in when he does a message, and I, this is just a Blake-style thing, um, he normally gives the, the main idea of his message at the start, so I'll, I'll, I'll note that. Um, the main idea of the message, he says that God offers a rescuing gift in Jesus Christ. And of course, to understand that idea of a rescuing gift, you obviously you need to first look at the fact that we all need rescue, and so I think the, it, it kind of goes along this first point in the, in the sermon that he preached, which is that um, this saving grace is unmerited. Saving grace is unmerited, and we all are are in need of it. And none of us deserve it. Um, and then uh, the second part of that, which is it's a rescuing gift, is that certainly it is a gift. It is it's a gift from uh, from God. Saving grace is a gift that we have in Jesus Christ. Uh, the central text that he used was Ephesians two one through nine. So let's just kind of read through this, and then we'll kind of go back and talk a little bit about this as uh, kind of break it down together, if that's all right with you guys. So here we go, Ephesians 2, 1 through 9. Uh, Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children under wrath as the others were also. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, made us alive with the Messiah, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace." Together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up and seated us in the heavens so that in the coming ages he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift, not from works, so that no one can boast. Great passage, great text. Um, and, you know, you look at these first three uh, verses, and, and Blake spent a lot of time on this in, in his sermon. Um, and, you know, Paul paints a um, not flattering picture of, of humanity, <laughs> of mankind. You know, this is a look, let's look at how many times he says uh, something that would possibly be offensive. Um, for, let's start off with you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Most people don't want to consider themselves dead, I don't think. Um, much less dead because of their sins and their wrongdoing, um, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, like you didn't walk any other way. You walked in according to the way of the world, not in accordance to, to the way of God. According to the ruler who exercises authority over the lower heavens, 
which um, Paul doesn't specify here, but I'm guessing that when he's saying authority over the lower heavens, um, I would I tend to think that he's talking about uh, Satan there, um, or you know, or the deceiver, right? Yeah. Um, the spirit, because he says the spirit now working in the disobedient. So. Not only are you dead, not only are you wrongdoers and sinners, but uh, you have a disobedient spirit working inside you. In fact, it's the spirit of Satan. <laughs> and it is, but then he says, we too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts. Um, we did basically what we wanted, what we, what we wanted best for ourselves. We were selfish, all of us were. And we were by nature children under wrath, um, as the others were also. So that's, um, again, a pretty bleak picture of humanity. But I think, guys, to understand grace, um, and we talked a little bit about this last week, but in particular to understand saving grace, um, you know, the old preacher adage, Jeff, comes to mind. Um, you you, you got to... Um, you you gotta you gotta you gotta help you what make them not make them but you gotta help them realize they're sinners before you can get them saved right and and, and so um, uh, that's not exactly how it goes um, but that's close enough <laughs> yeah it's kind of like you know when we uh, one of the big things that we do when we particularly work with children and sometimes even teenagers mm-hmm. and you know and there has been a few times with adults. So when you talk to them about, you know, there, there's like, I want to be baptized or I want to be saved. And then you have to meet with them, talk with them, make sure they understand what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So one of the big things I emphasize is I ask them, I explain sin. Then I'll ask them, you know, are you a sinner? And if they say no, then you're like, <laughs> okay, then they're not really ready. Right. Because they don't really understand. And That's you try right. to tell them that they are and then they want to say, well, I'm not, I'm not really a sinner, you know. So you tell the parent, you know, they're not ready yet, and the parents are all antsy about it, but it's the best thing to do is just wait. Because i got to have a concept of, you know, I, need, I, I have this need in my heart that only Christ can feel, mm-hmm. and that need is, you know, for me to um, uh, realize I'm a sinner, and without Him, I can't save myself. There's no right. way I can. Right. And even older people or teenagers... They may admit they're a sinner, but then they're still in the comparison game that, you know, I'm not as big a sinner as this person. Right. Or, you know, um, or then you get to some people that they don't believe anything they do is a sin. Mm-hmm. You know, that you're judging me. This is my lifestyle. So it's very important to understand that um, without grace, without God, uh, you know, we are dead. We are, we are subject to our sinful nature. We we don't really have any control over our lives other than what we do. And uh, you know, and once we once we commit sin, uh, then we definitely are sinners. So there's a, there's a time when a kid doesn't really understand they're a sinner. Then when they do understand it, um, then I think God starts drawing them. But I guess that's a long answer to what you were talking about. That it's important for people to know what sin is, what we're being saved from, or uh, right. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess to to use Blake's word of rescue, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the person who is not willing to admit that they're shipwrecked on an island. I mean, their only hope of a ship might come by, but if they don't, if they're not willing to to, to admit I'm shipwrecked. Um, they're they're not going to take the gift, the gift that's offered to them, right? I mean, they're they're gonna be like, no, no, I'm good, I'm good, I I I I'm I'm totally I'm totally fine here. I don't need rescue. It's only the person who realizes, oh wait, I'm in dire straits here. I need rescue. Um, and Jeremiah, I can't do it by myself because I'm you know to borrow that analogy, I don't have the resources necessary. Like I don't. I, you know, I, I might think I can build myself a reliable boat to get myself off this island or whatever. But the truth is, is I don't have like everything I've got's rubbish. All I've got's garbage, and uh, this garbage is not going to make a sufficient boat. But maybe I think, that, well, if I put enough garbage together, <laughs> I can I can float this boat off because you know my garbage is just as good as that boat over there. Uh, when they, you know, and so there's lots of people who I think think that way. Um, and I, and it's funny that why is it we're so deluded over the fact that we think 
that we could think that our, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not making stuff up here. The Bible says, you know, our righteousness is as filthy rags in God's sight, right? So why is it so many people think that, oh, I, I, can, I can craft a boat for myself. I can get myself off this island. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, I think part of the issue is, is we don't recognize what Blake said and what this text says uh, is that we're dead in our trespasses and sins. I think a lot of people think that they're just wounded. Mm-hmm. Or that, or, or in Christian language, we like to say, especially with kids, it's it's tough to to kind of tell a child that you're dead with, like you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Well, they're so literal; it's like you can't really go that route. So we we use language like you did wrong things or you did bad things. Mm-hmm. You're bad. You're mm-hmm. bad off, or you're worse off. And those those seem to say suggest like, okay, well, I'm not. I'm not. I'm wounded, but yeah. I can recover from being wounded. Yeah. I, I can. I can put things together and kind of get by on my own. Um, but the text seems to suggest that no, you're not. You're not just wounded. You're dead. Like you're incapable of, of rescuing yourself. And I think that, that there's a there's a. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but we need to be more clear. I think there. Um, and not not to go too far with the whole dead thing, right? Because um, I think some people think that you can't even make a choice, right? Uh, that right, that right. dead people can't do anything, like literally nothing, and that there's there's no response to the gospel. It's it's literally just Jesus rescues you or he doesn't. There's there's not a response or receiving or any of those types of things. So you could take it too far. I think that's why some people are scared to use that language, but. Mm-hmm. Um, but but for me, I, I'm not. I, I think that the gospel is about going, being, being dead, and then becoming alive. And right. the only way to do so is through Jesus. And that's that's why when Jeff says, you know, when when kids are like, uh, when you ask them, so so are you a sinner? And they say no. Well, then the the immediate response is like, well, then why do you need a savior? Right. Why do you, why do you even need Jesus? Mm-hmm. And so that's why we would say they're not ready. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's the same, same thing. If you don't recognize your need, there's no reason to look for a, a solution. Right. And then just to take that, take that thought further, um, you know, the, the idea that somehow or another we can, let's say we recognize, okay, I, I need rescue. Um, you know, I've, 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 shared here before the 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 guy in college that I knew who said I recognize that I've got a need here I can't I, I want to be good I desire to be good but I no matter what I do I can't I can't seem to get it right I can't I keep making mistakes and of course you know I'm telling him well you you need to rely on Jesus he says, well I don't want to rely on anyone else to fix the mistake that I, I want to fix my own mistakes but then there's some who I think recognize okay I need rescue um, and in order for me to get the rescue that I need, I need to do something in order to earn that rescue, right? I need to, it's not enough for me to just say, okay, the rescue's here, um, you know, but I need, I, need to, I need to do something that makes me worthy of the rescue, right? I need to, um, I need to Blake, somehow or another, uh, you know, make myself, Worthy, going back to my analogy of the sh- of the shipwrecked person, right? I need to make myself worthy of of the boat stopping, right? So I got to clean myself up. I got to clean my island up. Yeah. I get rid of all that garbage <laughs> that's floating around, right? Yeah. Put that over to the side and 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 make myself presentable so that the boat will stop at me, right? So that the boat will come to me. Um, I've got to do something to make myself presentable. And, and uh, you know, the point I think is you were uh, took pains to make is that it's just there's nothing you can do. There's nothing that you're going to do to make yourself presentable that you don't do it, you don't, um, that, that it's unmerited. Yeah, and I think, you know, James, it says that, you know, if you've if you committed one sin, it's like you've committed all of them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because if you make a, you know, holy offense before a holy God, mm-hmm. uh, you gets an eternal God, that means you get the punishment is something eternal. Right and um, and there's at that point there's no dress you know there's no like dressing yourself up trying to make yourself look good like if you're almost stranded on that island and you really recognize your need you're not gonna 
put on makeup or do your hair or do anything, you're going to go yell for the ship to rescue you, you know, yell for the Coast Guard or something. And, you know, that's what we have to do when we come to Jesus um, because he's going to meet us exactly where we're at. Right. It's a desperation thing, right? It is. And it's not not what I do to – like, I didn't do anything – um, or I don't need to do anything, Jeff, to get to 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 have access to this. It's a Jesus did. It's I like. Um, I think it was an American gospel, and I've used this phrase a little bit during during uh, during worship. It's not about uh, what I do. It's about what Jesus did. Mm-hmm. Right. It's not about the deeds that I do. It's about the one deed, the one act, the one saving act that Jesus has done. It's complete. It doesn't doesn't require anything on my part, and and it's good because I have nothing to add to it anyway, right? I mean, like if I try to add something to Jesus, if I try to add my good works, um, then it's uh, you know Paul Paul says elsewhere that, that what I um, if I'm if I'm adding to it, then I've made his I've made his cross to no effect, right? right. I mean, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, and you know that I think that's part of. Um... Part of who we are, though, uh, because we do want to. I mean, we're all we're all geared to to achieve. We're all geared to do better in a lot of ways. You know, we try to make good grades. We want to get a good job. We mm. want to get a good house. We want to raise good children. And so, it's just part of who we are that we really want to. I think we really do want to please God. Mm-hmm. I think there's something in us that, that that would say. If, where if there is a God, I want to do whatever I need to do to please God Sure. for a lot of people. Um, and so when it comes to salvation, um, there's nothing we can do to please God. Yeah. I mean, he's He's the one that sent sent the his son um, and, and dis- demonstrated his love and says, just, hey, receive me. And I think that really is where a lot of people get it causes them to trip over the gospel in a way. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the Jewish believers had a problem with it. When the Gentiles started becoming Christians, they're like, whoa, hold on a minute. You know, they got to become Jews first. And once they become Jews, then then they can understand and accept Christ. Right. And, and so that was the big rub at the very beginning. It's like, no, 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 no. You know, they're saved by grace like we are. Mm-hmm. There's nothing we can add to it or take away. In fact, if you're trying to add to something that we couldn't even keep, then you're adding more burdens on the people. That's right. And I think that I think we all understand to a certain extent our saving grace, but how we live that out, which is what you guys, two guys, are going to talk about. So I'm mm-hmm. not going to delve into that at uh, at this point. But um, I think I think we as Christians. Once we become Christians and we try to explain to the world how to become a Christian, we add in, come to church, do these mm, good things, sure. and we use the language that nullifies grace. Yeah. So, um, I mean, this, I mean, I always tell people, say, look, we're saved by grace, and and we we're kept saved by grace. Right. And so, you can't earn it, and and so. And I know it's just part of who we are. We want to we want to please our parents and we want to please God who is our heavenly father. We want to please Jesus. And so we we create this um um sense that we have to do something. And I think that trickles then down into our evangelism yeah. when we talk to people. And so yeah. it's so it's so important for us to separate that separate that out. I mean, y'all keep talking about uh, you know, the guy stranded on the island. I keep <laughs> I keep thinking about uh you know, um, okay. Tom Hanks, Tom Hanks and Castaway. Castaway. Yeah, and in that movie, you know, he he had a need. Wasn't really in his mind for rescue. It was companionship. Yeah, yeah. And that's when he created the the volleyball. Wilson. Yeah, <laughs> right. And Wilson was with him, and then finally, you know, he everything he tries to do to save himself. Well, eventually, you know, if a ship didn't come by, he would have. He would have been gone. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so even even in all the few, even if all, I mean the movie could have ended, he just died out there in the ocean, mm-hmm. and that would have been the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. But the redemption story is, um, you know, God did send the rescuer. Mm-hmm. We just have to realize we need rescuing. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, there's a couple points here um, on on uh, in this first in this first section of, of Blake's sermon that I I, I want to address. And then we can move on to the second, the second half of it. 
Uh, one thing that Blake pointed out, and I think it's uh, of interest here, is when I was looking at the list of all the bad, you know, the bad descriptions that Paul uses here, I mean, he basically does call um, everyone who walks in the ways of this w- world followers of Satan. Um, and, and Blake's like, you know, so they were Satanists. And so like, <laughs> nobody wants to be. But I think, Jeremiah, I mean, the, the fact is, is that we don't, no, everybody wants to believe that they're good people. Yeah. And, and nobody wants to, nobody except for just the really fringe people wants to truly be labeled as followers of the devil. Um, and yet the Bible does, doesn't seem to pull punches here. And it says that if we are not followers of Jesus, then are, are we followers of Satan? Is that, is that, apt, is that an apt descriptor? Yeah, I mean, I don't know what else you would call like God says that his children are, are, are his children. So there's his followers, his children. Uh, and then uh, uh, else... aren't we all God's children, Jeremiah? No, <laughs> we're not. Unfortunately, uh, we were all created by God. And that's where that whole like, uh, like Michael Jackson song, uh, we are the world. Right. We are his children. Um, that is the quote, right? We are the world. That's we, we are, are the, the children. We are the children. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah he doesn't even go with his children in that song. Yeah, we are, we the, are children. the children. Well, he's basically saying we're the children of the world. Yeah. In that song, really, is what yeah. he's saying. Yeah. It's true. Sorry. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> Off topic. But <laughs> no, yeah, uh, we're, God, we're God's children. And uh, the Bible elsewhere, I think it might actually be in Ephesians, but I don't see it right now. But um, he calls us his enemies. They mm-hmm. literally were his enemies. And so when you think of the enemies of God, you never typically think humans. Right. And you definitely don't think yourself. Yeah. But because you think you think there's like God versus Satan, right? God right. God versus sin. Right. Or whatever. Not God versus me. Right. Um, but 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 by nature, by default, we are uh in the enemies of God under his wrath, under his judgment. Um because of our sin. So when we're doing practical evangelism, is it a good idea to, to, to make that a, a sticking point that, that you know, the, to, to help people understand that you are an enemy of God? In fact, you're a follower of Satan. I mean, is that something we should? I mean, I know the Bible says this. Is that something that we should lead with? I mean, is that is that a good idea? It is definitely not something we should lead with. <laughs> um you know, a better way to address that is, you know, you are separated because of your sin from God and mm-hmm. helping them realize the punishment, but realize that the the Savior, the gift is so much greater and that God's pursuing you and like God wants you. That's a much better way than saying, yeah, you and Satan are pretty tight, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but but it is the truth. I yeah, mean, right? I mean, it is. And, and this well, is. I mean, this know, gets to that offensiveness of the gospel. We're going to throw in music, Bob Dylan. You got to serve somebody, right? So we yeah. either serve the Lord or serve Satan. Yeah, or you serve yourself interest, which is basically. Well, serving. the pro- the reason I wouldn't go there is just because of all the the connotations, yeah, the cultural baggage that, that comes that with that, comes right? with yeah. Satan. I mean, you don't you don't know what they think about Satan. Why why throw that into the mix of the gospel? At first, because it's just going to cause more questions than it does answers, in right. my opinion. So, Especially if you tell someone, if you don't follow Jesus, you're a Satan worshiper. Then in their mind, they're looking at everything Hollywood's ever put out, or mm-hmm. music people, or right. Alan Manson types, you know, all those Bands back in the day, back in the eighties, yeah. when, when it was all when everybody was scared and then, that they were Alice Cooper, who actually cults. follows Christ now. Yeah, you know, yeah. So, so, so then they're like, "Well, I'm not like that." And if they're playing the comparison game, then like, "Well, no, I'm not." That. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not out there sacrificing. I believe in goats. God. Most of them will say, "I believe in God." Yeah, you know. And of course, that's versus what the devils also believe. And they yeah, yeah. Say. I just—it's so interesting. I mean, the Bible, especially in the New Testament, there's so much of a focus on the demonic, and there's there's a focus on 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 Satan and and, and yeah. such. But I think that we in our current culture, we do have to be careful with that because I think that, like like you said, I think there was a clearer idea between the authors of, of the text then and the, 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 the men who were speaking and doing these sermons then as to what our understanding of the demonic is now, especially when you consider the impact that, like you said, Hollywood has had on 
on our consciousness. I mean, we have a very huge mixed bag when it comes to what we mean when we say demonic, what we mean when we say Satan. Um, and nevertheless, we, we don't want to make people think that they're okay with God. If they're, if they're outside of Christ and they've never surrendered to his, to his gift, you know, and never surrendered their life to him and never put faith in, in the gift of grace we're talking about, um, we don't want to tell them that they're okay with God. They're they're certainly not okay with God, mm-hmm. and and you know that gets back to that first point again, right? Which brings me to my last my last uh, uh, point of uh, on this topic that I want to bring up with you guys, and that's that something Blake uh, again took a lot of pains to, to 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 get into. In fact, I think most of his application points with this particular uh, first point in his sermon. I know I'm using the word point a lot here. But um, his all were kind of centered around um, this idea of we need, as Christians, we need to remember that this was our standing. And but for the grace of God, um, this is who we are. Um, that we're not, that, that we are not positionally where we are because of anything we've done um, is an important thing to remember because we need to re- remember for ourselves that grace was just as unmerited for us, mm-hmm. right? Um, and that seemed to be something that you were you were at, at sort of pains to to get across to the to the congregation. When you know when we come when it comes to saving grace, we can almost have like a holier than thou attitude sometimes with the rest of the world. And it's like, well, why are they mm-hmm. acting that way? Why is the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community continuing to, you know, trying to flourish or, mm-hmm. um, you know, why, you know, just, you see all these things going on and on and, and we can always have like, wow, I can't believe they're that bad kind of mentality to be quite honest. And it's a struggle sometimes. Yeah. Um, but we have to remember that, you know, they might have struggled with different things, but we all at one point were still helpless. You mm-hmm. know, at the end of the day, they're just as helpless as what we are. We just recognize our need for Jesus more. Yeah. And there's nothing really like holier like about that. We just realize that we need Jesus, and they haven't realized that yet. Yeah, I think I think when we realize, um, guys, our our need for grace. Um, and you said, you know, we even need to, re- and I agree with you, that we need to even remember this on a daily basis. Um, when we understand our need for grace, and I don't want to get too deep in this because this is going to touch on where I'm going um, with, with my message here in a couple of weeks um, as we look at being good recipients of grace and good givers of grace. Um, but I, I think that when we, when we recognize our need for grace, it makes us more sensitive to the need of need for grace in others, mm. right? Um, that we we recognize that they need salvation as much as I need salvation, and that it comes with the exact same method as what I received. Right, because what we do, we tend to uh, we tend to say, well, that Satan worshiper, that they'll never get saved. Mm-hmm. They're just too evil, or this abortion doctor or you know just name name whatever my next door neighbor yeah that's the that's the alcohol we we tend then to say well these people then are so far from grace they can never be saved yeah yeah and so it's that's why it's so important for us to understand this part about it's unmerited and it's not earned uh, because it's available and and even to the greatest sinners it's still available and so when we try to present grace later on, since this was a salvation message, we may say no for the people that may be willing to listen. Yeah. And we're automatically not even tell them about it because we're thinking in our mind, but well, I think they're just too far gone. Right, right. And, and, and forgetting that, that, grace is, that grace is universal and it's available to all. Let's talk a little bit about that grace, saving grace, because this is the second point and um, you know, starts off with Ephesians uh, 2, 4 there. But God, right? I love that. I love oh, yeah. that. Yeah, I, love, I love when Paul inserts the but and then, you know, goes into, okay, yeah, we're all these negative things, but God, right? And then let's just kind of break this down. This is this all sort of falls under Blake's second point, which is saving grace is a, is a gift from God. Um, but God, who is rich in mercy. Um, now, 
I, I'm going to say that you know we've 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 already discussed a little bit about um, mercy in terms of grace. We've 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 talked about that in here before, um, but this idea that God is rich in mercy. Um, I mean, what does that bring to mind to you, Jeremiah, when you when you hear that that phrase "rich in mercy"? Yeah, he's he's overflowing with it. Like he 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 has an abundance of it, and he's and he's ready to ready to just give it, ready to to be liberal with it. And obviously, for me, it, it just goes back to his character. It's just who God is. He's a merciful God. He's a gracious God. He's a loving God, as it's going to say. Even in the Old Testament, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because I think, you know, I I like that point that you often make. Um, We we tend to think of Old Testament God as God of wrath, you know, God of anger, God of justice. And, uh, but it's in the Old Testament that you hear that verse that you, that you love so much that comes from, uh, that, that, that says, you know, God who is rich, you know, who is, who is great in mercy and, and, you know, and gracious and, and, uh, quick to forgive all those and things right? love. yeah yeah um it's exodus 34 uh six and seven yeah but god who is rich in mercy why is he rich in mercy paul says because of his great love that he had for us so here we see paul tying together this idea of love and mercy and often so often i think that um our world um with its own definitions of love, and, and we spent, you spent a good t- deal of time, Jeff, talking about agape love, right, in, in, in previous sermon series. But our, our world um, thinks in terms of love that doesn't always involve rich mercy. You can love without being merciful. You can love, <clears throat> you can love without being gracious. But here, God is rich in mercy because of his great love that he had for us, right? But God, who is rich in mercy, or maybe not because of, he's rich in mercy, and because of his great love that he had for us, um, has made us alive. Uh, let me let me get that yes. straight, because the the the, the yeah, clause there actually goes with made us alive. So he's rich in mercy, but he does have great love for us as well, and I think that is I think that does tie together. His great love that he had for us, though, has made us alive with Messiah. And this goes back, Jeremiah, to what you say in the beginning. Um, you're not going to care so much about being made alive if you don't first realize that you're dead, mm. right? Um, if I don't realize that I'm dead and really get an understanding of what that means, then it's not going to matter to me that I was made alive. Um, if I already thought I was alive and just wounded, then okay, so what? Jesus did, Jesus made me more alive, right? He, he, he made me more alive than I already was? Well, you know... I. Okay, so I, maybe I don't need him as much then, or or maybe I don't understand. I, I, I have a, a, a shallower idea of, of what that gift is that he's given me. But when you realize that because of his great love, this abundant love, this this rich mercy that he has for us, he has made us alive. Us who were dead are now alive. He says, even though we were dead in trespasses, mm-hmm. um, man, that that should, I would think. When you really grasp that, that should absolutely set you on a good path for your day, shouldn't it? Mm. I mean, if you really woke up in the morning and, and realized, I was dead, but because of what Jesus did for me, I am now alive because of God's rich mercy and his great love for me. Doesn't that, doesn't that, change, your, doesn't that change the whole perspective that you have on, on your day? Doesn't I mean? Doesn't shouldn't that have an impact on our day? Yeah, I mean, you start to see things more of a gift, which it is, um, because like if, um, you know, because we like obviously we see through like what we saw in the first three verses, like we really did nothing to deserve heaven. If anything, we did everything to deserve hell. But the fact that he doesn't just you know send us there he you know gives us a chance to be pursued by him and to accept him mm. and you see that you know you see things more of a gift you know just waking up in the morning just allow just thanking god for another day you know you've experienced grace that day um you know family friends whatever you see you can see things more from god than just yeah, what comes yeah. and I want to be careful here because I, I know you're going to talk a lot more about yeah. this t- next week, Jeremiah. The same sort of idea that 
when you get a real grasp on grace, on saving grace, it should impact the way you live, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I guess I'll, I'll wait to comment until, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, next week. But, like, you can't, I don't know. It's a miracle, right? Yeah. And we don't talk about, we talk about salvation as if it's a gift. And that's good. That's great. But it's a miracle, right? Like it's a it's it's a gift that is a miracle. Right. And so when we like when you talk about it like that, you can't say that it's merited or that we did anything to obtain it because we're incapable of miracles. Mm-hmm. But that's what he's talking about here. Like something that was dead is now alive, and that's why. Well, I mean, that's what we celebrate once a year, right? I yeah, mean, the we talk about. I mean, more than once a year, yeah. but I mean, every every Sunday we celebrate yeah. the resurrection, right? I mean, this is this is resurrection in the individual, it, 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 but it's no less miraculous. Yeah, right. I mean, it's you sh- that should excite you, and, and it's unfortunate for those who grew up in church or maybe have been in church for a while when you hear about miracles, we're just kind of. Like oh yeah, d- d- Jesus does that. Like that's <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like right, right. This is who Jesus is. Like it's not a big deal. I, I wonder. I wonder, guys. I, I'm, if you if you ask the average layperson, um, um, take out a sheet of paper and write down um, all the miracles that you could think of. Right, all the miracles that you can think of. How many of them would write down their own salvation? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, how many would write down? Oh, Jesus walking on water. Jesus multiplying the. Bread and fishes, Jesus' resurrection, uh, you know. Uh, oh, oh, uh, Paul, Paul healing that guy at the temple steps. Jesus making the lame to walk. Jesus making the blind to see, but never write down Jesus making me alive. Mm. Um, I That's wonder good. how many people would actually write that down. And now, spool that we could use that, but now <laughs> our our podcast listeners already know that. And so, um, but I think it would be interesting, right? I mean, because I do think that we. We forget what a miracle that is in our own lives. We are walking miracles. You're right. And that's that's something we shouldn't lose sight of. Well, and the thing, you know, our our uh, topic or our sermon series, you know, facets of grace. I, I love these two verses here because it has um, the rich mercy mm-hmm. and the love of God mm-hmm. who loves us. And then it has by, by grace your uh, by uh, grace, you're saved. Yeah. So there, are, those three facets mm-hmm. are all wrapped up in grace. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of people kind of use those words interchangeably a lot of times because, right. um, you know, I was just got back from the Baptist State Convention, and um, one of the guys used the the diamond as an illustration. He talked about if you were in a, a dark room and, and you had a diamond ring, and someone just opened the door and just a little bit of light came in that 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 diamond would begin to sparkle mm-hmm. the the facets the sides that they hit the light and then it goes through and it beams out the other way right and that's why um you know this is so so important to know that it is all of his mercy and he's got so much of it he's so rich in it it's never going to run out mm-hmm. it is his love which is Beyond comprehension, unconditional, sacrificial, and in His grace, which is unmerited and freely given, available to us. Right. And and it's all wrapped up in one. I mean, it, it is the greatest thing. It's the greatest gift. It's the greatest thing that could ever happen to someone. And to go back to what you were saying, if you ask people, like, what was the best thing that ever happened to you in your life or the greatest thing that ever happened in your life? Well, some people may say winning the Super Bowl or mm-hmm. getting drafted in the NBA or you know, getting married or having a child. and um, But really, as Christians, our number one greatest day of our life should be when I became a Christian. Mm-hmm. And then following that, I have several great days that's happened to me. Yeah. So if that's not first and foremost in your heart and mind, then maybe you haven't really understood grace How, entirely. Right, yeah. No, I, I agree. So then we read on after he says, you're saved by grace. He says, together with Christ Jesus, he also raised us up and seated us in the heavens. We've been given a position. Um, I mean, we've been ch- our, our position has been changed, right? Earlier, he talks about how we're aligned with the, the one who exercises authority over the lower heavens. But here we see that 
we're now together with Christ Jesus and seated in the heavens. So this is, you know, your, your position is completely changed. And why? Well, again, I don't want to go too far with this because I think it, it starts to encroach in where you're going next week, Jeremiah. But verse 7 says, says, so that in the coming ages, he might display the immeasurable riches, not of his mercy, but of his grace mm -hmm. through his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. Um, I like the fact that he uses kindness and grace here, and, mm -hmm. and, and, and he doesn't say uh, riches of his grace through his grace to us in Christ Jesus. I was just reading something this morning as I'm, I'm, I'm preparing for, for my message. Um, it was saying, what's the difference between kindness and grace? Hmm. What's the difference between kindness and grace? And the guy that was, that was being interviewed said, well, kindness is, you can be kind to someone in a patronizing way, mm -hmm. right? I can be kind to you um, even though I don't really much care about you. I can even be, I can be kind to to the homeless. I can be kind to the ex-con, right? I can be kind to all those people and still feel like, um, I can be kind to all those people and still um, not, uh, uh, not really care much about them as a person, right? Um, I'm just doing this because um, I, I, I know you're in need, and so I'm, I'm... But grace does more than that. Grace takes kindness and elevates it. Mm. Because what it does is it says, I'm not just going to be kind to you because, um, because I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm taking you and I'm elevating you and giving you way more than what you ever deserve. Not because of anything you're going to do for me, not because of even how this makes me feel, but because, I, because I'm being gracious, right? Grace elevates, kindness does not always elevate. And, and I think that's interesting here because Paul is saying he might display the immeasurable riches of his grace through his kindness, because his kindness is a different kind of kindness. It's not a patronizing kindness. It's a gracious kindness. Um, and I, I don't know, I just really like that illustration or that, that, that distinction that this guy makes between kindness and grace. Yeah, I mean, because it's true. I mean, you know, uh, as Christians, we should be kind to everybody. Mm. And there's a lot of times in our lives where we're not, and we're not showing grace. And, you know, if we get upset with someone over the phone that we're calling, you know, we got some kind of problem, we're calling some company, and next thing you know, we're... We're just, you know, berating them. Yeah, right. But we can be kind as well. And, uh, but, but that kindness is not anything I'm trying to reciprocate from. But, but a lot of times people do, are kind to others because they want others to be kind to them. Mm -hmm. So there is that uh, reciprocation there. Right. Um, so that I think there is a big difference because, like you said, we have to be kind. Uh, sometimes it's hard to be kind to people. Especially if they they've been mean to you or done something that you feel like you didn't deserve or shouldn't have got, but but you're still called to to show them grace, basically. Mm -hmm. And whether and really the only way we can show kindness is in, is is through grace. So that kind of gets into y'all's right again. It, we, subjects. We, we, we're, we're, we're trying to we're trying to dance around. But you brought it up. <laughs> yeah, I did. I did. We're, we're, we're trying to dance around some of the stuff that we we're going to be touching on in the next two weeks. But really, I mean. Um, you know the the I guess the the conclusion of the matter when we talk about saving grace, mm -hmm. um, we're talking about grace that saves, um, is is probably best encapsulated in these last two verses mm -hmm. in our text, which is for you are saved by grace through faith, mm -hmm. and this is not from yourselves; it is God's gift, not from works, so mm -hmm. that no one can boast. So this isn't anything, again, that I've earned or that I've done. You know, a lot of times our, our brothers and sisters in, um, in other denominations, uh, even in other Protestant denominations, will talk about um, um, whether you can fall, whether someone can fall from grace, Jeremiah. Can you, can you fall from grace? In other words, can you lose that salvation? Once you have salvation... Can you lose salvation? Can you reject it outright and lose it? Um, and I always, I always found as, as a Baptist, 
Um, I always found these two verses the answer to that. Um, I, I, you know, I would imagine we're all on the same page here. Perhaps not. Um, but I don't believe that one can actually lose true salvation because of this. Because the way I understand it, I did nothing to earn the salvation. I did nothing to, to get it. And because I did nothing to earn it, I can't do anything to lose it. Does that make sense, Jeremiah? Yeah, I mean, and you're, I guess, I guess this gets on to my sermon for this week, but you did nothing to earn it. You're doing nothing to keep it. So, like, it's not on you to, to hold on to that salvation. Uh, I think there's another text, maybe John 15. I'm not sure, actually, but where it, where it talks about how uh, he's... Taking you out of the hand. Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> Sorry, I had to call. Being plucked out of his hand. No, yeah, no, yeah. No. no one can take you out yeah. of my hand. Right. And no one can pluck you out. So, yeah, I mean... I, I believe that you can't lose salvation. And it's unfortunate that they call that falling from grace. Really, they should say falling from salvation. Um, because great, it just seems to suggest that God ran out of grace for you. Right. Or he he somehow just like... Or you lost your grip on grace. Like somehow yeah. you were holding on to his grace and you let go. Yeah. And so now you're falling away from it. That's what, I don't know, that's how I always thought of it, is falling yeah. from grace. Um, yeah, like you're right. Like either God ran out of grace, or or it was all dependent on you holding on to it to begin with. Yeah, I mean, which which just goes against the definition of grace. Right. If if you're doing anything to hold on to it, it's not it's That's not grace. Work. Yeah, it becomes a work, and well, so and so and it, then he can it nullifies the grace of God, meaning that if it's God that initiates and God, it, it's God's to have. It's in His character. So it would just suggest that he ran out. Like he was like, ah, this dude, I'm going to let him go because I, I just don't have enough grace for that guy today or whatever. Right. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I do. Oh. I, let, 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 me, let me press into this a little bit more so we can deal with what I think is kind of a difficult question um, uh, or can be a difficult question. Maybe a question some of our listeners have had before in the past. Certainly, we're all saying, I think we're all saying, and, and Blake, you didn't chime in there, but I saw you nodding your head. But we don't believe that you can actually uh, lose salvation once you actually receive it. And yet, what would we say about the person who, and, I, and I've, I've had these people in my life before. Um, I have friends of mine who um, I watch them um, struggle. I watch them come to an understanding of saving grace. Um, in faith, trust that saving grace, be baptized, and then later um, go, yeah, I don't want this now. I don't want this anymore. Um, I, I, I don't really want it. And um, so when we think about gifts, right? Because if we say that grace is a gift, um, and that's what Blake's message is all about, um, I would agree there's nothing I can do to earn a gift. If Jeff gives me a gift, um, there's nothing I do to earn that. You know, he's just like, hey, Jonathan, I was thinking about you. Here's this awesome gift. You know, you don't have to do anything. You just receive it, open it, and here it is. And I'm like, oh, wow, thanks, man. And, and I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And then later on, I look at the gift, and I'm like, eh, I don't much care about, you know, maybe Jeff and I get in a fight. I'm like, oh, I don't really like Jeff anymore. Every time I look at this gift, it makes me mad, right? <laughs> So, um, you know, and, and I don't really want to remember him anymore. I mean, we've all done this through breakups. We, you, you guys have all been through breakups. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Girlfriend gets you something, right? You have, you have it on the desk and you're like, that was cool when it was cool. To remind, but now it reminds me of her. I don't care much for her anymore. And so I'm going to get rid of this thing because I don't want it anymore. I don't want to be reminded of the, of, of the love that we had. I don't want to be reminded of this relationship. And for me now, this gift is garbage. What about the person who feels that way about God? Can they, can they reject the gift? And if so, isn't that the same thing as falling from grace or, or losing salvation? What do you guys think? Now, I know this is tough. Well, first I would say that, you know, when it comes to just eternity, there's a difference in salvation and like an engagement ring or yeah. something like that, sure. you know. 
Um, but I would also I would ask be like, is it saving grace you don't want, or has somebody hurt you and you don't want to be associated with a certain group of people anymore? Mm-hmm. Um, I it's a multifaceted issue because that whoever's saying that can be coming from so many different points of view that you just you really don't even know until you just ask them what the what the root of the issue is. Sure, sure. Um, and I think people that you are, when you do encounter some people like that, you do have to be real like open and hearing and listening. Um, definitely, you know, what we were, all were taught as kids, and those moments are the reasons you got two ears and one mouth. Um, you want to listen to them and just, you know, try to empathize and sympathize as best as you can, but point them towards truth and like you know there's like if you're saved like there's nothing you can ever do to like not earn that anymore there's nothing you can ever do to do away with that Mm -hmm. but if you're hurting that's one thing let's address the hurting and not talk about wanting to do away with saving grace or you don't want this like the whole ex-evangelical movement or whatever right and I mean and that's part of what I'm talking about is with this ex-evangelical movement um, I can think of lots of, um, you know, there, there are plenty of Christian, we'll call them celebrities, yeah. who, have, who have also made similar moves uh, to say that, yeah, now that I've evaluated it, maybe it's not even that I'm upset with God. I just don't believe in him anymore. And I don't, I don't want the gift that reminds me of, of that. I don't really care about it. I don't want it. Um, you know, God, is God going to force me to keep something that I don't want? That seems, that seems it's from a lay person's point of view, that might seem disingenuous of God to force me to accept something that I've now said I don't want. You know, and, I, I, and I'm thinking of people who have, I mean, we even think of, um, you know, uh, uh, people who have, um, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're Christians but are, are now a clearly atheist um, and, and don't believe in God anymore. Um, that kind of thing. So, what's our answer to that? I'll ask another question. Uh, I, hate, I hate to answer questions with questions, but that's okay. Yoda does it all the time. I, think it'll, uh, <laughs> I don't know. It might change uh, the, our direction, which I don't really want to do. But I guess my question is: Do you think that that a lot of our problems are because there's too much emphasis on the gift? And less emphasis on the giver. That someone may have accepted the gift, but never accepted the giver. Mm. Perhaps I mean, um, but or, 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 I, even, I, or I, even the idea of the gift, because like with your analogy uh, with the the gift from your the, the girlfriend, right? A lot of times it's not even a great gift, right? It just it's it's representative of the giver, right? And so that if, if you reject the giver, then the gift loses its meaning. Right. See what I'm saying? The, the, exactly. But that, but, but that gets to my point even more so, I think, Jeremiah, because it, it, in, in, at least in some of the things I'm thinking of, you're, you're literally turned off by the idea of the giver. Um, not just the gift, but the giver. And so because you're turned off by the idea of the giver, you, know, you don't want the gift anymore. Well, and to go back to what you're saying, you were saying, is it, I don't want to keep it anymore. Mm-hmm. So that implies then you've done something to keep grace. Right. And so I, the, my idea of grace is if I'm going to make an error, I'm going to err on grace. And so mm-hmm. if these people really, truly were born again, that they were dead, that they became alive, mm-hmm. they entered into a relationship with Christ, and through whatever reason, whether it was lack of discipleship or not understanding it was a relationship or church or whatever, whatever the the thing came up or they, you know, heard this great professor in college and now I'm an atheist. So whatever it is that's happened to them, Mm -hmm. I think God's grace is still sufficient that he would still allow them to exist in their state, Mm -hmm. breaking his heart because they've rejected him and don't want to have this relationship anymore and that they would still, uh, because, uh, you know, when, when you get saved, this isn't right here. Your position has changed. Yeah. Um, they'll still make it to heaven. Mm. 
I believe they'll still make it to heaven. Mm-hmm. Yep, as by fire. Um, if I believe in grace and I want to, and I want to say I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna err on the side of grace. That God's grace is still sufficient and great enough that He would still even save a disobedient uh, child that didn't want. I mean. I know as a kid, I probably told my mom and dad, I hated y'all and I don't want to be around you. And everything. <laughs> right, right. But you say things and you do things, and sometimes you do have estranged relationships. I would more intend it to, like, if I became a Christian and I became a child of God, then, like, you, you guys have children. So, God forbid, if your children never did anything wrong and they got in trouble with the law and they got put in prison, they would still be your child. Right, and you would still love them yeah. regardless, even if they rejected your uh, advances toward them of love, and you tried to re- restore that relationship and all. They're still going to be your child. Mm. So that's the kind of way I, I look at it: that uh, to take it out of our control and put it back in God's control, and then let God be the one to judge. I wouldn't want to be the one sitting there. Oh, certainly, and not, right. living a life thinking, you know, did I, did you know? Am I still saved, not saved? Yeah. Because it's it's not going to be a great life. It's not the abundant life Jesus promises us. So I think whatever, like to get back to Blake, if you've got a good relationship with a person, try to work with them, try to find out what it it is that the the problem is, and then try to point them back to returning back to God or or at least trying to give him another chance. They may not even have read the Bible. Yeah. You know, you never know. A lot of times people do things... Uh, rashly and all, so. right? And and and, and understand that, that this is uh, that there's a flip side to this. Um, I, I, I we I don't think we've talked about it in on this podcast before, but uh, it will be fun discussion to have one uh, sometime. But there's a flip side of this that of the Christian who's constantly worried about, oh, have I done something to lose God's grace? You know, have I committed the unpardonable sin? I used to as a teenager, I was scared to death that I accidentally would commit the unpardonable sin. And then, and then I would lose my salvation, right? And God would be done with me because I, I didn't mean to, but in my mind, I blasphemed the Holy Spirit, you know, and I, I said a bad word or right. something, right? And, and if I said it in my head, even in my thoughts, I might as well have said it out loud, and I've committed this horrible crime against God, and so now I've, I've lost my salvation. And I remember, I remember um, my pastor back then, um, he, he's passed on now, but I remember him taking me gently to the side and, and explaining to me, if you're concerned about having committed the unpardonable sin, okay. then, then that means the Holy Spirit's still at work in you and you've not done it. Um, and so, you know, um, that, that, that eased my mind. But here I'm talking about not the one who's concerned about whether God's grace is going to run out, but whether it's, it's someone who says, I just don't want it anymore. Um, I, don't, I don't want that. And I, and I wonder sometimes is it is it the case does the Bible does the Bible support the case that if we're truly saved we won't have we'll never have that moment happen to us like if we're really saved if we actually really genuinely um, be, you know uh, understood our our position and were made anew that having been made new we would not want to choose death again. Um, is is there is there is there indication in the Bible that would support that idea, or is it possible for someone to say no? I you know maybe for whatever reason you know uh, uh, you know like you said uh, maybe they're estranged in their relationship with God or whatever, uh, but that they they um, that they can have that moment where they say genuinely say no I don't want this anymore and God's going to give it to them anyway. Can you think of a is there is there is does the Bible support the idea that once you taste grace that you can't that if it was possible to do it if, if it was possible to 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 go back to death and then you could but it's impossible to do that there's some Hebrew scripture in Hebrews that uh, depending on how you translate translate it and listen to the commentaries would speak to that but it's so complicated mm-hmm. we don't have time to get into it. <laughs> well I think I think um, <laughs> There's no specific text that I can think of that addresses your, your first question, which was like people who have actually received salvation mm-hmm. wanting to, to walk away from it. Mm-hmm. There's no text. And I think part of the reason is is because the Bible doesn't, 
or the, the authors of the Bible don't feel a need to address it. Mm-hmm. Because that, like... Well, the book of Hebrews, they were doing it. Well, no, they addressed the opposite end. Of they wanted to go back and become Jews and not be Christians anymore. Yeah, right. which is the other... There's two sides of it, right? The mm-hmm. one who was actually saved wanting to walk away and the ones who are trusting in something else and, and if they... They those who are walk walk away, I don't know. I guess there's a little bit of that in Galatians too, like them trying to revert back to the law a little. Bit. I guess what I'm trying to say yeah. is the Bible doesn't see a need to address that because for those who are truly saved, like like for instance me, there is absolutely no desire. Like I can't I can't possibly fathom someone who has received what I have received and wanting to walk away. Mm. So if, if you're like me, and I think like the authors of the Bible, you don't have to address that question. Because once you're in, there's no desire to, to, to leave. There's, and and the, they always, always talk about the gospel as a good thing. Like this is beautiful. They use terms, terms that are like extreme to talk about how awesome it is on this side of, mm-hmm. of grace. But the Bible does talk a lot like in Hebrews about... Like, look, if you're not in, don't neglect this. Don't neglect this message. Or for the Jews who, who are wanting to walk away, like, if you're trusting in anything other than Christ, if you don't feel like this overwhelming, like, peace and presence of God in your life, then, then yeah, you should, you should worry about that. Mm. And I think in, I think in, I don't know, I think it might be the, the toughest problem for us in America. This, this question, it, it really might be. Well, and I think that a lot of it's just the... Depending on if the person was ever discipled, we have so many nominal Christians, so many Christians in name only, or church church member Christians that never really, you know, accepted Christ into their heart. They're never regenerated. So I think a lot of the people that have walked away, maybe they're walking away from the church or a concept or something like that, without really tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Yeah. So <clears throat> so that's why you've got to really understand and know. And I think if that's why I said that if somebody really did do that and then something happened in their life that they walked away or, you know, I don't want it anymore, um, you know, I'm still going to fall on grace and say, well, if they truly were saved, I think God's grace is sufficient. Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, that Corinthians passage talks about on the shelf, he has like clay jars and he has, you know, beautiful jars of gold and all. And so our Christian walk and our Christian life is represented about that, mm-hmm. and so even even if if it's a clay jar, it's still useful for something. Yeah. So um, I just I just think that <clears throat> people we've been duped into accepting the wrong package. I think is the best way to say it. Mm-hmm. We've been duped into accepting the wrong gift. Mm-hmm. Maybe we like an aspect of the gift, like we like the packaging or we like the bow that's on top. Right. And then once you kind of like delve into it you realize oh this is not what i wanted Mm -hmm. you accepted an idea like heaven Mm -hmm. which was a huge thing and i think we've swung back i think from this but you accepted heaven like i want to go to heaven or i want god to bless me Mm -hmm. i want god to i want to be on god's good side so that he'll bless my business or bless my marriage or bless my children and so You've you've accepted like this half gospel and it's maybe like pseudo gospel. Yeah. Maybe you accepted the packaging and not like the full gift. Mm. So for me, really, for me, those who have exe- received the real gift, like the actual saving salvation, I just I, I don't like, I can't see someone walking away from it. I just can't fathom that. Yeah. If you've ever watched those uh, the, those old old or newer zombie films, right? Can you imagine someone being a zombie, walking around dead, eating, you know, just, you know, like completely walking dead, rotting, being made alive and going, you know what? I'd rather be a zombie. Really I'd rather go back to being dead. Um, I, you know, it just doesn't seem, you're right. If Those who have been, who were dead, being made alive, it doesn't seem as though anybody would want to go back to being dead. Um, and so, yeah, I do think it's an interesting question, and I appreciate you guys for wrestling with it with me because um, I think it's made an interesting discussion. All right, we're out of time here. Uh, but next week, um, we will continue this discussion on grace. We're not going to stop here. Uh, but we're going to look at how grace impacts life. And, Jeremiah, what, what text are we looking at? Uh, Titus 2, 11 to 14. 
Titus 2, 11 to 14. So look forward to that. Look forward to you joining us then. Thanks for joining us today. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll see you on the next one. So long.